the flawed understanding of alcohol harm leads countries to focus on ineffective solutions. Many countries misidentify alcohol harm as problem of individual users. They ignore the population level dimension, secondhand effects, and the commercial drivers of alcohol use and harm in Europe. This has two negative consequences. European countries fail to identify alcohol as cross-cutting obstacle to achieving multiple SDGs such as gender equality, economic growth and poverty eradication. And the second negative consequence is that countries focus on ineffective solutions that only address individuals and their awareness, such as information campaigns. But information and awareness raising campaigns are expensive and ineffective in preventing and reducing alcohol harm. European countries can do much better in using high-impact alcohol policy solutions that prevent alcohol harm at the population level and thus help promote sustainable development in multiple ways. Hello, from Movendi International, I'm Mike Dinbia. Warm welcome to the Alcohol Issues podcast. This is the ninth episode of our second season. Thank you so much for tuning in today. The Alcohol Issues podcast is an original production by Movendi International. It's a show about current alcohol issues of global importance. Through in-depth conversations with policymakers, community leaders and scientists, we explore alcohol policy issues, discuss landmark scientific studies and expose the alcohol industry. Today's episode is special because Pierre Anderson hosts the show today and Pierre will talk with Kristina Sperkova about her brand new study about the uptake of alcohol policy as catalyst for sustainable development in European countries. I am really excited that Pierre Anderson is hosting today's conversation to discuss this groundbreaking scientific study with Kristina. Pierre Anderson is the policy advisor, alcohol and development at the IOGTNDO movement from Sweden. The IOGTNDO movement is a Swedish development organization that works for poverty eradication by supporting partners to tackle alcohol as obstacle to development. Pierre has extensive experience in journalism as well as development work, which makes him the perfect host for today's conversation. Kristina Sperkova is the international president of Movendi International. She is the lead author of the peer-reviewed research article Alcohol policy measures are an ignored catalyst for achievement of the sustainable development goals that she co-authored with Peter Anderson and Eva-Jane Lopis. Pierre and Kristina recorded their conversation on Thursday, May 5th, 2022. Alcohol is, to just name a few, a driver of poverty and hunger. The products and practices of the alcohol industry cause a significant and increasing global disease burden. Alcohol is also a risk factor for violence and it contributes to inequalities. The harm caused by alcohol companies undermines economic productivity and hinders economic growth disrupts sustainable consumption and adversely impacts the environment. So in these few statements, 
we addressed SDG 1 and 2, SDG 3, SDG 5 and 16, SDG uh, 10, SDG 12, SDG 6, 13 and 15. So this makes it very clear very quickly that alcohol is a major obstacle to achieving multiple SDGs beyond the health SDG. But these effects are not considered by European countries in the design of measures to achieve these sustainable development goals. Effective alcohol policy solutions, the so-called three best buys, are largely missing from transformative action that the Agenda 2030 calls for and that European governments have committed to making a reality. A brand new study provides groundbreaking analysis showing that most European countries fail to address alcohol as obstacle to multiple other SDGs than the health SDG in the design of measures to make progress towards sustainable development in their countries. To make matters worse, inaccurate language related to alcohol harm indicates gaps in understanding of the extent of the alcohol burden and the consequences for sustainable development. So this first-of-its-kind study published in the peer-reviewed journal PLOS ONE spotlights the need to improve countries' recognition of alcohol harm as cross-cutting impediment to 14 of 17 SDGs and countries' capacity to utilize alcohol policy solutions as catalysts for sustainable development. This is the setup for the conversation between Pierre and Christina. And now I yield the floor and I hope you enjoy and find their conversation useful and insightful. The reason we are having this conversation, Christina, with you is that you are one of the authors of a recently published paper on alcohol policy and the sustainable, sustainable development goals. Um, could you just walk us through uh, the background? Why did you decide to write this paper um, and publish it? Yeah, so this is uh, a very nice coincidence in a, in a way that I have met co-authors uh, at the right time and at the right place. Uh, but of course, before we have decided to really write a paper in Movendi International, we've been working actively with sustainable development goals and already in the beginning of the uh, of the whole new era of sustainable development, we have analyzed the goals and first uh, understood that 13 out of 17 are uh, adversely affected by alcohol harm and will not be achieved uh, if we do not implement some effective measures that reduce and prevent alcohol harm. Later on, we continued with the analysis and uh, understood that there is even one more goal. So it's actually at the moment 14 out of 17. So we have the whole analysis. And another uh, thing that we've been doing is the advocacy work around sustainable development. So since 2015, we've been attending high-level political forum on uh, sustainable development goals every year. It's in July, uh, where countries report on their work uh, on the uh, with the Agenda 2030. 
and the civil society can engage with countries there on the spot. And our task, or what we've been doing, was that we actually read reports from the countries and always checked whether they are reporting on alcohol harm. And very often they have not. And uh, we, of course, uh, got to ask questions. Uh, why don't they do it? And also the reactions already there uh, indicated that the countries are not looking at alcohol harm as, the, as something like cross-cutting. And some some countries even really openly in front of all the other governments uh, replied that it's not a big issue. Alcohol harm is not a big issue. Uh, so that has also led me to... Um, some kind of systematic analysis or realization that we should have a systematic analysis. So when I met uh, Eva uh, uh, Lopez, who is a co-author, and we discussed whether something like this exists, and she thought that this is actually a very unique uh, approach, uh, we decided to write it together, and then she invited Peter Anderson uh, into the study as well. Yeah, and and as you say, it is rather a unique approach. There are several scientific papers out there on on alcohol and sustainable development, but nothing quite like yours. So, what would you say is unique about your approach here? The uniqueness is the analysis of alcohol policy measures as solution or the catalyst of uh, achievement of sustainable development goals. So the other papers, and there are not many, that's also important to say that even though there are other, uh, they are also quite few and it, they are coming from the same authors. They are looking at uh, some like policy coherence, for example. Uh, so of course, looking whether uh, policies in one goal impact uh, achievement of the of other goal. Uh, and then, looking at harm. Uh, so the other papers are really looking at uh, the harm caused by alcohol. And when very often, even though they are presented, these papers are presented as um, sustainable development goals and alcohol, they are usually looking at the SDG number three, where alcohol naturally uh, belongs. So even these papers are not going through all the goals. So I would say that the real difference is that now we are looking at all the goals and we are looking at the policy as a solution. Yeah, and the goal number three is, of course, the, the health goal. Uh, so now yes. you are looking on, on uh, a much broader perspective than that. Um, so you have looked at the voluntary national reviews that the countries um, present to the high-level political forum. So just for, for those who might not be familiar with these VNRs and the kind of follow-up system that exists around the sustainable, sustainable development goals, can you just explain a little bit how that works? Uh, yes, so the high-level political forum is taking place uh, every year in July, and it's a place where governments are looking at the progress when it comes to achievement of sustainable development goals, and they do it through reporting, So, uh, and it's voluntary reporting. That's why we are talking about voluntary national reviews. So countries that uh, volunteer, they always uh, indicate their interest to report, uh, uh, they prepare a written report and they also then present it at the high-level political forum. And uh, each high-level political forum has a focus on a, on a, like a certain number of goals. Uh, every year it's a bit different and these goals in a way rotate. So 
the goals come up every third year. Uh, and the countries, there is, of course, as it's voluntary, it will, it's just voluntary, but some kind of, uh, or like the expectation would be that each country would report at least once during a four uh, years uh, period. And you have focused on European countries only. Um, wh wh why is that? There are two reasons. Uh, one is that uh, the harm and the alcohol consumption in the European uh, region is actually the highest uh, out of all regions and the Europe carries the, the biggest burden. Uh, one million people out of three million uh, die because of alcohol in Europe. So that is one of the reasons. Another of the reasons are that we wanted to start somewhere uh, to take on all the countries would be uh, huge. And um, the co-authors are also involved in other projects that are dealing with sustainable development goals in the European Union, actually. So that's why we thought that we can also combine their work. Mm. And these uh, these VNRs, these reports are um, well. They follow a basic format, most of them, but they range from maybe thirty pages. Some of them are three hundred pages long. Um, so, how did you go about to to analyze how they kind of talk about alcohol and sustainable development? I I guess it's not as simple as just counting the number of mentions of, of alcohol in these documents. Yeah, that is right. That was a start. So, uh, just getting all the documents and sorting them out was the first step, and then. Uh, we really made a very simple search by uh, by inserting alcohol in the search function to see whether they at all hell, uh, mention it or uh, even uh, we even looked at uh, substance abuse just that maybe alcohol would be somewhere hidden so not to miss it really was important so uh, then like based on this basic search we've understood which countries have at least mentioned alcohol but then we started uh, coding because we also understood already thanks to this simple uh, search that there are the levels of how countries are mentioning alcohol are really very different um, so and also we had our um, questions like a hypothesis, a hypothesis before we started uh, based on the previous experience uh, as we suppose that uh, uh, the countries actually are not utilizing alcohol policies for achievement of SDGs and that's why we wanted them to look how much do they reflect on this so are they looking in their reports and uh, in, the, in their reporting only um, on the statistics, do they just report this is the harm or this is how much alcohol is consumed and that's it? Or are they also mentioning some action? Uh, what do they then do to reduce the harm or to prevent it? And then uh, also what would be the effect of the actions they are taking? That was like the third uh, dimension of what we were looking at. And of course, the important thing was also whether they at all um, reflect on the three alcohol policy based buys or not. So we have created the three dimensions uh, uh, indication when they just indicate that they are aware uh, of alcohol harm, uh, action and evaluation. And evaluation was evaluation of the impact of the of the action. 
One one of my main takeaways from from reading your uh, paper is this framework that you have created, uh, and as you say, these dimensions or or levels, whatever you choose to call them, of indication, action, and evaluation, which is kind of a a, a, th a three uh, levels of how much countries go into alcohol when it comes to these VNRs. This seems to be a uh, um, a, a useful uh, framework to also continue to look into other countries. Is this something that you plan to do or is this something you kind of encourage others to, to, to use your framework and, and continue this work with, with other countries? The, the, the idea is that we would continue also with other countries or other regions. If someone else would take up this work, I wouldn't mind. And that was the idea, of course, like when you uh, do a scientific study, it needs to be possible also to replicate. So that's why the framework was invented and not just my feelings and impressions after reading every uh, voluntary national review. So now this framework exists and actually anyone uh, can take it. It's uh, It should be, it's a very in a way, manual work, uh, because every SDG, so 17, has four uh, questions in average, uh, exact questions, and you are really checking, cross-checking with every review whether you can you find answers to those questions or not. So this is the do, that you do. It goes also fast uh, because there is nothing. <laughs> so, of mm. course, there is like very often there is zero, zero, zero. Uh, but, but that's the idea. And hopefully in the next rounds and after this study has been published, that this will be growing. But yeah, it should be replicable. So anyone should be actually able to do that. And that's the idea. So, so based on this framework, you then uh, scored the countries in, in this uh, study. Um, what can you say about the general results? You touched upon it uh, in the beginning, but uh, if you dive a little bit deeper into what you, what you actually uh, found using this framework. I was and was not surprised uh, because it's actually very few countries that are mentioning uh, alcohol policy-based buys as uh, solutions to sustainable development goals. Uh, what I found is that 14 countries uh, out of, we have to actually mention it, that I was looking at 32 countries, so 27 European mm -hmm. Union and then uh, five additional from the European Economic Area and uh, UK that used to be in the European Union and also Switzerland is there. So, it's 32 countries, and out of those, 14 have mentioned some statistical information, either about harm or uh, consumption. Uh, but then there were 22 countries that have that can be that can also include those 14. So 22 countries have uh, actually reported on some kind of action, but out of these 22, only eight mentioned the effective actions. So one of the three alcohol policy-based buys, one or more. Uh, and then when we looked at the impact and how they are, whether they are considering the impact of alcohol policy um, measures, that were only 11 countries that mentioned something. Uh, and five, only five mentioned actually the uh, impact of the best buys. So 
if we look at it like the what we would what we really wanted to see uh, or I would like to see is that the countries are using one of the at least one of the three alcohol policy based buys for achievement of sustainable development goals and so after, uh, out of 32 countries only five uh, have done that and there mm. is also one more uh, number if that would be interesting uh, that only three countries actually used alcohol policy best buys outside the SDG number three, which is the health SDGs and SDG, and they would consider it in achievement of other SDGs, which was the point of the study. So it's only three. Mm, yeah. And just, uh, you, we have now mentioned the alcohol policy best buys a couple of times. So... Uh, what are these and why are they so important for, for countries to recognize? Uh, there are three. So one is uh, reducing availability of alcohol. Another one is uh, increasing prices of alcohol and then uh, regulating or banning alcohol advertising, uh, sponsorship and promotion. And these uh, alcohol policy best buys are proven to have the best effect uh, and also cost effectiveness when it comes to preventing and reducing alcohol-related harm as they reach uh, whole of the population and not only specific uh, groups. And also they work very well with vulnerable groups. Um, so that's that's the best what we understand at this, uh, at this moment and have done so for several years now or decades. Uh, that these measures are very helpful. And if implemented, they actually can make a really huge difference for people's lives. It's, it's quite clear that um, at least more countries seem to connect alcohol to the issue of health, right? Uh, but not so many when it comes to uh, a broader the broader dimension of sustainable development. Mm -hmm. And you actually, uh, in the very beginning of the paper, you uh, write that reducing the consumption of alcohol is a prerequisite to achieve the sustainable development goals. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about it, for, for 14 out of 17 goals being adversely affected by alcohol. But uh, again, maybe if you could just explain this a little bit. What, how does this look in what does this look like in in practice how does alcohol influence uh, so many of the sustainable development development sorry the sustainable <laughs> development goals yeah like i could go through all of the 17 but uh, mm -hmm. i will not or 14 no. but even if we divide these uh, sustainable development goals into three categories based on the dimension of sustainability so uh, environmental sustainability, uh, social, sustain social sustainable development, and economic sustainable development. Like mm. in all the three categories, uh, alcohol harm is an impediment. Uh, so when we look at the economic, like the biggest harm uh, that is uh, caused is the caused by the loss of productivity uh, through absenteeism and presenteeism, which means that when people uh, suffer uh, some consequences from their alcohol use, they are not able to work and they do not contribute to the productivity or like they even, for example, come to work, but they are not able to work there. So the companies that they are working for or uh, like at the workplace, they are actually not contributing and are even co 
causes uh, causing losses or contributing to losses of uh, the company or institution. So that would be like the economic uh, impact of the harm. And then the social is really like when we are talking about harm to others, which is really the the largest compared to any any drug, uh, including like tobacco. Um, uh, and they, that can be correlated to, for example, violence uh, against women or in gen- general violence, the uh, safety in the public space, for example. So we can un- we understand that the number of outlets uh, in the certain area actually has impact on how much violence occurs in the area. Um, and then, so I talked about economic, social, uh, and environmental impact as well, like production uh, of alcohol actually costs a lot and contributes to environmental harm. And uh, for example, distribution uh, of alcohol as well. Uh, now, like now I don't remember, like just I think that the distribution of alcohol only in Australia um, produces so much pollution as uh, 40 car rides around the globe uh, mm-hmm. would do, um, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. But we can check that and put it into notes with the correct number. So there is also environmental impact that we really do not talk about or very little. And and when you when you rank these European countries, is do you find any patterns there between countries? Are there clearly countries who are best in class or worst in class, or, or is it just uh, are they all uh, kind of uh, not uh, not doing enough? That is a very good question, and there were several surprises and. Uh, from some countries, I had uh, higher expectations because I know that they have uh, effective alcohol policies in place. And, for example, that they are champions uh, when it comes to the World Health, World Health Organization and they are actively involved. And in the report, they are hardly mentioning uh, alcohol. So, for example, Norway is such a country. Like Norway is one of those countries that didn't score uh, at all. Uh, in that very simple coding system or like very, very not, I wouldn't say very simple, it's not simple, but very um, benevolent or tolerant uh, scoring system that all countries who would just mention alcohol would already get a point and would be considered uh, that they recognize the problem. And Norway is not there. And we know that Norway has a, a good policy and they are also working on international level uh, with it. So that was a big surprise. So... I wouldn't. I didn't find any pattern. I tried to find a pattern. I tried to see whether, for example, the length of the report would mm. also reflect that. Okay, if those countries that have taken more time uh, on reporting that uh, alcohol would come in and it would be more elaborated, but there was no such um, uh, yeah, such connection. Then the countries that are champions automatically didn't mention alcohol. Um, so yeah. No, no pattern really. Hmm. I think Sweden also scores quite low. Uh, yeah. And, and do you have any theory as to why this is? One of the theories when it comes to this low scoring is that maybe in some countries alcohol policy is such a natural thing uh, that they do not even consider it. And that's what I would, how I would explain the Swedish and Norwegian case. 
because then maybe this would be actually a little pattern. Like we we had Estonia that had uh, uh, scored well, and Lithuania is also mentioning some uh, measures. And these countries at the time of uh, of their reporting, they were also dealing with alcohol policy in their countries and actually introducing it. So it's most probably much more present in the minds of people who are then writing or composing the the reports. So mm. yeah, more top of mind in some countries. Yeah, uh, then th- this also has relevance on the the method you have used uh, looking at VNRs and 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 not so much at at actual policy so wh- what are the limitations of, of this method would you say yeah absolutely and this would be actually the next step uh, to look at the policies and really see what else the countries are doing and then to connect it um, but uh, the the limitations were like several, exactly what you mentioned, that, for example, the countries, the, the process of uh, composing the voluntary national review uh, really differs from country to country. There is no, the, there is no template uh, and also the way the countries do it. Some, some countries invite everyone, like all stakeholders can somehow contribute and there are several national rounds of writing the reports. And then it depends if, uh, for example, advocates uh, for alcohol policy and like prevention and reduction of alcohol-related harm, whether they are there or experts or academics. And in some countries, the processes are very internal. Like no one is, uh, no one actually knows that uh, this report is being written and it's uh, some like staff in the in authorities that is doing it. So really this differs and that also leads then to the, uh, to the results and another limitation or like that's not a limitation but it's really the understanding of the harm um, in the country and we can see that the, really the alcohol related harm is really underestimated and understood differently so many countries are looking for example not at alcohol consumption but uh, excessive use of alcohol and they even use words like too much alcohol uh, consumed which is really no no term that could that is uh, officially used but they are using it in the reports and that also means that uh, they the consideration of alcohol harm is uh, doesn't commensurate the reality yeah you you have spent some some time looking and at and analyzing how countries write about alcohol and what language um they use as you say it, it differs mm-hmm. from country to country and again why is why why is this language so relevant what what does it say about uh a country and the the view they have on alcohol policy and development this is something that I didn't also expect, uh, and I didn't search for it from the beginning. Uh, but then when I was doing the content analysis, I really realized that the, the some countries are not really even mentioning alcohol per capita consumption, for example, or even the WHO term, harmful use of alcohol, but really mentioning the expression as alcohol abuse and excessive use which also then reflects that they do not understand the harm done by alcohol as a like a, that impacts the whole population, but they are looking only at specific groups, for example, people with alcohol use disorder. 
And in that case, then they are also then looking at the solutions only for these specific uh, groups. So first, a huge amount of harm is completely ignored. And for the second, then the measures that are selected are targeted measures and not population-wide measures. So that's why the language and how they write about it, it really matters because it reflects how they understand the harm and then what kind of solutions they select. It uh, and this is quite fascinating for for I mean both you and me have been involved in this field for for a number of years now and it's I mean it has been clear for so long that these population based measures are the most effective and that the measures uh, targeting individuals normally are not effective at all so. Why is there still such a, a gap in, in knowledge and in, in the policies that we see from, from countries uh, when it comes to alcohol? I think that it's really influenced by also the industry interference that does not allow a different understanding. And this we know from other processes, not from my study, but... The, the narrative around alcohol is very important for them. So, for example, just removing the harmful, the word harmful from harmful use of alcohol, that's a huge issue for alcohol industry because that also then leads, again, as I said, uh, to very different solutions. Uh, so I think that the, there is a huge interference of the alcohol industry and then uh, the policy measures also do not carry the best narrative and they are not popular uh, or the governments actually think that they are not popular uh, with the general public, like increasing prices for alcohol. That is something that is uh, so deeply um, like rooted in the culture that people want to have. So they cannot imagine that they would do something like that. Um, which is really, I think, really pity because here we know that just the change of the narrative uh, change, like really changes a lot. And we know it from different countries that as soon as, for example, the conversation about alcohol taxation turned into the benefits that the taxation can bring, for example, for solving the homelessness in, in the country, uh, then all of a sudden many more people are in support of it. So... Uh, alcohol policies act, uh, like really suffers uh, or lacks a very good marketing uh, approach, unfortunately. Uh, so I would say that these are the main reasons. Mm. So, so the the kind of knowledge and understanding of, of general alcohol policy is lacking, but also then uh, the thing you looked specifically at is the how how alcohol and alcohol consumption is considered when it comes to achieving the SDGs, right? Yeah. Um, are are this are these the same are the same uh, explanations valid here, or are there kind of other um, other things going on here as well? I really think that the understanding of the impact of alcohol harm on other uh, areas than health specifically is very, very low. Uh, there is a very little connection between, for example, 
uh, like gender equality, like really no one is thinking about alcohol and uh, alcohol as an impediment to gender equality. Um, we mentioned already the environmental impact the alcohol industry is even trying to place themselves as a solution to some problems when it comes to climate uh, crisis. So this is, this is again, really not connected. Um, the, what we have seen in the study, some countries have seen the connection between uh, health and health uh, inequality uh, so that we, and so the inequalities between people. So some some kind of connection to SDG number ten uh, was there in several countries, but said not many. Uh, and one has also referred to economic growth. So they reflected on the harm uh, and the cost of the of the harm. And this is very interesting, also related to your previous question that like we now have more and more evidence or we understand how much alcohol-related harm actually costs. So it should be automatically reflected under the SDG uh, uh, 8, economic growth. Uh, but it's not, it's not still happening. So let's hope this will also help. Mm. So w- what would you, how, how would you like to see this in, in eight years when it's 2030 and the uh, sustainable d- development goals are supposed to be kind of uh, checked off. <laughs> uh, if you if you did this uh, study again in 2030 or 2031, uh, how, how, what would you like to see? <laughs> the ideal picture would be that the, the countries report on alcohol as a cross-sectorial uh, factor when it comes to SDGs. Uh, that is also interesting, like the way how countries report, whether they take uh, reporting goal by goal and targets or whether they group the goals into different uh, categories. Uh, and maybe that would be in a way a solution like to group and show the cross, uh, the connection, interconnection between different goals and place uh, alcohol and some other uh, important factors that are really cross-sectorial uh, and report on report on them uh, in that way. Uh, of course, I would love to, but even because this is the ideal picture, but even if we go to something like maybe more realistic is that we would see more evaluation of impact that, first of all, that more countries would actually mention uh, alcohol policy best buys in their action. And then they would all actually also evaluate on the impact, at least on the goal three, if not uh, not others. And I, I can just add also that, that um, right now it's a general problem with VNRs that uh, the countries are not mentioning so much of an action, but uh, they are reporting on the current situation uh, or the situation at the time when they report. Maybe there is some action when it comes to Mm, the like the environment and what kind of measures they have taken there, uh, especially in some cooperation with the industries, uh, because that's also a huge, uh, it's very strong dimension of the whole sustainable development. So this is a general trend that action is missing. And I would hope that uh, until 2030 that this uh, really improves and then they will have had 15 years <laughs> to, to really learn uh, how to uh, how to work with uh, sustainable development? Mm, exactly. One 
issue also about the SDG uh, agenda. It's supposed to be an undividable uh, agenda, right? All the goals are connected uh, and should be seen as connected, but normally they are uh, anyway treated and reported on uh, separately and we talk about them often separately. Uh, and that is a real challenge for issues like alcohol that is truly a cross-cutting factor over all, a lot, a lot of the, these goals, 14 of 17, as you say. So how do you normally tackle this in your work and in Movendi's work? Um, we are looking at other areas than health. Uh, and uh, as the SDG book, I wanted to call it booklet, but now it's actually a book of uh, more than 100 pages with the analysis, really helps us to, to anchor alcohol with different issues from poverty and hunger elimination to gender equality and uh, general like uh, social inclusion and equity. Uh, to or even the environmental issues. And uh, really in our advocacy are trying to bring that into people's awareness and understanding that alcohol is, uh, is an impediment in these different areas. So I think that the start is that we started looking outside the health uh, goal um, and really further than uh, the usual suspects. Uh, and then in our advocacy work, we are... We are really also doing it, even in the WHO level, we understand that alcohol is, for example, um, ignored even in the conversation about adolescent health. Uh, so it's, uh, it's being discussed under uh, alcohol as, a, as an agenda item for global alcohol action plan, for example, now. But as soon as another agenda item is being discussed or uh, TB and HIV AIDS or some other uh, areas, alcohol is really hardly mentioned. So that's what we are doing. We are always bringing into attention of decision makers um, to start reflecting on it, to actually support their work, because that's really important also to mention that we are not talking about it to criticize the world, like you have forgotten this and you don't care, but more like if we want to achieve these goals or change the situation, then it really helps to consider alcohol policy. That doesn't cost much. It doesn't take a huge change of in the society, like a huge restructuralization of the whole system. It's really not needed. So it's really cost effective and uh, impacts several areas at the same time. So many flies with one uh, shot or hit. Yeah. Yeah, as you say, it it becomes really weird uh, having discussions, as you say, within the WHO about universal health care or TB or HIV without even mentioning alcohol in, in discussions, in documents, in, in strategies. Uh, so you have really embraced this strategy, I think, and you have, for example, you have been um, present at the Commission of the Status of Women, I think it's called, uh, at yeah. the UN, for a number of years now, bringing the alcohol issue into that perspective. Uh, yeah. I guess there are more examples of, 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 of that in, in, in your work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Commission on the Status of Women, for sure. Another one would be Commission on Social Development, uh, where we engage and that we actually actually actively engage at the high-level political forum mm. where we then 
depending on um, which year uh, we are there, uh, get to talk about different goals. Because uh, what I mentioned in the beginning is like each year has a focus on certain amount of goals. And then there are uh, civil society groups that are analyzing and, and mentioning it and questioning or uh, asking governments about what they do and what they do not. So, which also means that we have impact also on the other civil society organizations that are dealing with their issues. But as we are in the same group, and for example, looking at the goal number five, which would be gender equality, of course, there are very many organizations that are dealing with women's rights. And all of a sudden, we are in that group and we are contributing with the perspective of um, introducing alcohol policy to reduce violence against women. So also these organizations get to hear it sometimes really for the first time uh, in this space. And we could go through goals again and it would be the same practice. Mm. Yeah, and I think also the way you kind of turn the perspective uh, by saying, as you say, you, you often talk about alcohol policy as a catalyst for sustainable development and and uh, also that being a very cost-effective catalyst, as you say, um, returning quite a lot on, on $1 uh, invested in, in such measures. So I think that perspective also really helps the discussion, right? Absolutely. I think that what is uh, really helpful is uh, not to uh, enter different foras expecting that alcohol will be center of attention uh, everywhere. Uh, everyone has their center of attention, uh, but to find really the ways where we meet. And I think that actually that's what the Sustainable Development Goals and Agenda 2030 is really opening for and inviting for. Um, so it really helped us, uh, Agenda 2030, that we could start talking about alcohol in this way uh, and not only within one specific area. So it really helps to join others and uh, bring our contribution to that. So it's it's uh, I think it's uh, get, getting to a point where we should wrap up. But uh, I just wanted to ask you, I mean... We have both been involved in this field for a long time, as, as we talked about before, but still so many countries uh, seem to lack uh, even a basic understanding uh, of alcohol policy and, and uh, how it should be done and why and so on. What are the biggest hurdles in, in your view? What, what kind of hurdles do we need to overcome in order to improve the situation? There are two. I will start with the less obvious, but uh, really important. And that's the whole narrative and discourse around alcohol harm. Uh, what we also understand, and we could hear it, for example, in the previous podcast with Amundine Garty, example, for example, uh, the narrative is so incredibly important for policy change uh, because that really shapes the understanding of harm. And uh, I think that... Uh, for many years also, we have not been the best at delivering the information about uh, alcohol uh, harm. This has been, this is changing and I think we are really on a good way. But uh, so how we talk about it and how, we, how the harm is presented, that's one very, very important aspect. 
the other one is understanding the practices of uh, the alcohol industry and their interference and really raising awareness of governments about that and also uh, demanding uh, tools that would protect the governments from the interference of the alcohol industry. Uh, we also understand some governments really need that kind of help, like they are asking for it. Um, there should be some international measures that would enable it and really make it easier for governments to, in a way, resist uh, to these pressures because, I mean, they are huge. And if the governments are in economic difficulties that now they are, they need to choose whether they go for long-term solutions, as, for example, alcohol policy is, that actually mobilizes resources, uh, or they go for shorter-term solutions that alcohol industry is offering. Um, and there they need support. Right. Uh, I think we could continue that discussion with these last two points for another two or three podcasts, but I'm not going to, to go into that discussion now. I'm just going to say thank you very much, Christina. This has been a, a really interesting uh, conversation for me. Thank you, Pierre. I, Pierre, I think it was really fun. <laughs> right. Thanks. Thanks so much to Pierre Andersson for hosting today's conversation and to Kristina Sperkova for coming on the podcast to discuss her latest research article. This podcast episode is part of Movendi International's work to promote evidence-based alcohol policy development at all levels, to translate scientific evidence into policy action that protects people and communities from alcohol harm. In the show notes, we share resources regarding alcohol as obstacle to development about the Sustainable Development Goals and the Agenda 2030, so that listeners can also figure out what we mean when we refer to SDG 1 or 3 or 15. And we uh, share more scientific evidence um, uh, to underpin this conversation. As ever, your feedback, your questions, your suggestions for future topics and future guests are all most welcome. Please get in touch and you can find my contact details also in the show notes. And you can also reach me on Twitter and in other social media channels. This Alcohol Issues podcast episode was made by Arin Pino, Mike Dünnbier and Kristina Sperkova. That's it for the Alcohol Issues podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate it, share it, uh, subscribe to it and help us reach out to more people. Thank you so much for tuning in and stay well and safe and talk to you soon.